Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. Our service this morning will be led by our Minister Katrina, and everything we need to follow the service will, as usual, be both on our printed order of service and on the screen. Please stay and have a cup of tea or coffee at the end of the service. Our evening service at 7pm will be held in Kelvin Sidehill Head Church and will take the form of evening prayers, and these will be led by Katrina. Our call to worship this morning is some words from Psalm 118. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. And so let's join our voices in our opening hymn of praise this morning. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. And if you're able, you're invited to stand as we sing. Let's come to God in prayer. 
we kind of all know what our pattern is. In fact, I think our pattern is so entrenched that uh, a visiting preacher the other week got a bit of a surprise when they said, I want you to do this, and because you're good people, you did that. So, well said. <laughs> a little bit of rebellion of a good hills head variety. So I will lead us in prayer, and then we're invited to join together in the Lord's Prayer in the most natural and normal form for each of us. Let's pray together. We rejoice, loving God, that whilst it was still night, you were active, holding in its right place every atom and molecule, so that when we awoke, everything would be where we left it. That as the day dawned, and the birds sang their morning hymn of praise, you were alert, seeing everything that took place. that when we chose to come along to worship, you were glad and eager to receive our praises. We confess, Holy God, that however we arrived here, we're never fully ready to encounter your presence. That even when we have felt most fully human, most fully alive, Still, there may have been moments tinged with regret or sadness. That when we chose to come along to worship you, our minds and our hearts were also pulled in other directions rather than towards you. We are glad, gracious God, that your love for all you have made is unconditional and unending that you delight to meet us just as we are, wherever we are. That as we gather here to worship you, so you are in the midst of us, drawing us deeper into you. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And let us join our voices, minds and hearts together as we pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I wonder if anybody has seen the new quiz programme called Impossible on BBC One. A few people have, but quite a few people haven't. That's okay. They even have now got Impossible Celebrities that was on last night before Pointless Celebrities. So it's just that was the best bit of Saturday and everything else on Saturday TV was a bit rubbish. But I do like a good quiz programme. So the premise of the quiz Impossible is that you are asked a question and there are three answers offered and you have to choose from them. One is the right answer. One is the wrong answer. And one is the impossible answer. 
because it could not, it just couldn't be right, no matter what. Uh, they're kind of two-part questions, uh, so it does take a little bit of getting into the swing of it. So I've done an example, which I hope I've kind of worded in the right way, and, and we'll hopefully see how it works. So here's the example. In which of these Gospels of the New Testament is the story of the visit of the Magi? Is it John, James, or Matthew? So one of those is right, one of those is wrong, and one of those is impossible. Which Gospel in the New Testament has the story of the visit of the Magi? Matthew. Yes, it's not a trick question. <laughs> yep, so the right answer is Matthew. What's the impossible answer? James. James, right, because James <laughs> is not a gospel. James is a letter. So do you sort of get it? Yeah, good. On the quiz programme, they get asked five questions in five rounds, and if you get one wrong, you're knocked out, and you're not allowed to answer anymore. Well, we're not going to go with that. We're just going to have five questions, I think, if I remember correctly, um, on, hopefully on that basis, and we'll see how we go. And those five questions relate to the stories we've been looking at over the summer. So, which of the sons of Jacob was his youngest child? Was it Joseph, Benjamin, or Andrew? <laughs> Katrina says Benjamin. Anybody else want to say anything any different? No, you all think it's Benjamin. And you're quite right. Benjamin is the right answer. So that's well done, because when we asked that question way, way, way back, I think Katrina was the only one that got it right, weren't you? So, well done. Okay, which is the impossible answer? Andrew. Andrew. So why is Andrew not... He's obviously not a son of Jacob, but what, do we know what Andrew was? I wasn't even born then. <laughs> this is true, Andrew. Yep, so you've been missing all summer, so we thought maybe you were one of Jacob's sons. But yep, the impossible answer is Andrew who is in the New Testament. Well done. Next question. Which of Jesus' 12 closest friends was a tax collector? Was it Paul, James, or Matthew? Matthew. Oh, hands up those who think Matthew. Okay. I've heard somebody say James. Who thinks James? Somebody said James. They've, they've chickened out now. <laughs> Anybody think it was Paul? Oh, you're quite right. It was Matthew. And the impossible answer? Paul. Paul. Yeah, Paul, who was not one of Jesus' friends at all at that time. In the story of Esther, who was the uncle who looked after her? Was it Haman, Mordecai, or Barnabas? Mordecai. Anybody think anything else? Oh, you're doing well this morning. It was indeed Mordecai. And the impossible answer? Barnabas, yeah, Barnabas was in the New Testament and Haman was the baddie who was trying to do away with Esther's people. In the story of Moses, who advised him to appoint people to help him run the nation? Was it Aaron, Jethro or Nathaniel? Mm -hmm. Not so confident here, are we? It's like mm, a bit more tentative. Well, you're quite right, those who said Jethro. It was Jethro. Come on in. Jethro, who was his father-in-law, he came out to meet him in the desert and saw him trying to keep too many... Sp I just remember standing here going, spinning blades, spinning blades. Um, so his, his father-in-law said, that, who's the impossible answer? 
Nathaniel. Yeah, Nathaniel, who is in the New Testament. You're very good at this. Right, which of these places visited by Paul and Barnabas is where the believers were first called Christians? Was it Nazareth, Antioch, or Cyprus? Antioch. Yeah, anybody think anything else? I'm not going to admit to it anyway, are you? <laughs> okay, your right answer was Antioch. Well done. Not sure if that would be Antioch, really, but I'm not quite sure what the uh, link, the etymological thing is about how the curse should be. Is it a cut or a ch? Or a ch? I have no idea. Anyway, that, can, that place. And the impossible answer? Nazareth. Yeah, Nazareth. As far as I know, Paul and Barnabas never went on a trip together to Nazareth. So, well done. You got five out of five, which means you get to do the impossible prize thingy at the end. And in the impossible programme on the television... They, um, they, get, they can get money on the interim rounds. And then there's this big question mark filled with pound coins. Now, I don't have 10,000 pound coins to give away, uh, but I do have some chocolate and some alternatives for people who don't eat chocolate. So here is my bag of chocolates. And if we can get the correct answer to this question... The way it would work on the actual programme is if you get the three right answers, you get the £10,000. If you get a wrong answer but it's in the right category, then you get the money you've saved during the, the programme. And if you get one impossible answer, you get nothing. Um, so you've shown a question with nine answers and you have ten seconds, which is what I, I will actually time them, to give me three answers. Now, it would normally be one person doing this, but that would be a bit me. So, between you, once I've read the question, you'll have ten seconds to call out three answers, and the first three that I hear will be locked in, <laughs> and they become your answers, okay? So, which of these disciples of Jesus had worked as a fisherman? Andrew, Dan, James, Thomas, Reuben, Joseph, Matthew, Judas or John. Ten seconds, starting from now. Okay, that's right. Andrew, James, John, you had, did that in five seconds. Let's see if you're right. And of course you are right. So I get to do the clankety, 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 clank bit. So there we go. So no, not quite £10,000 worth of money, but... Uh, some chocolates and as I say there are alternatives for anybody who doesn't eat or doesn't like chocolate so if you want to ju I'll just serve these two and then everybody else can just pass them around and help yourself to chocolate or some raisins or other alternative if you don't like those and oh, there we go and what are the three impossible answers then Dan, Reuben, and Joseph. And why are they impossible? Uh, that's right. Sons of Jacob, brothers of Joseph. That's right. Well done. So you won the impossible Bible quiz. You got the jackpot. And hopefully everybody will find some little treat that they can enjoy. So this is the last of our Team Builders series, our last um, set of reflections on the idea of being Team Hillhead which is a great excuse to sing some of the songs we sing about us being the church. So we're going to sing together as the chocolates and things continue to go round. I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together.
not a building, the church is not a steeple, the church is not a resting place, the church is made of people. I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we are the church together. With many kinds of people, with many kinds of faces, all colors and all ages, too, from all times and places. I am the church, you are the church, we are the church Listen for the word of God as found in Scripture in Hebrews. Faith gives substance to our hopes and gives us insight to realities we do not see. It was for their faith that the people of old won God's approval. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that the visible came forth from the invisible. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, spoke of the departure of Israel from Egypt and gave instructions about his burial. By faith, Moses was born. When Moses was born, his parents hid him for three months because they saw what a fine child he was. They were not intimidated by the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, preferring to share hardship with God's people rather than enjoy the transient pleasures of sin. By faith, he celebrated the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroying angel might not touch the firstborn of Israel. Need I say more? Time is too short for me to tell the stories of Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. All these won God's approval because of their faith. And yet, 
they did not receive what was promised. Because with us in mind, God had made a better plan that only with us should they reach perfection. Therefore, with this great cloud of witnesses around us, we too must throw off every encumbrance and the sin that all too readily restricts us and run with resolution the race which lies ahead of us, our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the sake of the joy that lay ahead of him, he endured the cross, ignoring its disgrace, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Never cease to love your fellow Christians. Do not neglect to show hospitality. By doing this, some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those in prison as if you were there with them and those who are being maltreated, for you are vulnerable too. Marriage must be honoured by all and the marriage bond kept inviolate. Do not live for money. Be content with what you have, for God has said, I will never leave you or desert you. So we can take courage and say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can anyone do to me? May the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in all goodness, so that you may do his will. And may he create in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. So today we reach the end of the summer series that's been based on the Scripture Union resource Team Builders and it's time to try to draw together the ideas that we've been exploring to see what's helpful for us to carry with us and what maybe we just we want to leave behind because it, it's not so helpful or it doesn't speak particularly to us as a church community. Now I could do a lot of talking and I've done a lot of talking all summer <laughs> 
but we are supposed to be thinking about being a team, about being Team Hillhead. So today, I'm going to be a little bit radical, maybe, and invite in a minute you to talk to each other in, in small groups for a few minutes. Just to remind you who it is we've thought about over the summer, and I know not everybody's been able to be here every week, and that's fine. Uh, we've thought about Joseph and his brothers. We thought about Moses along with Aaron, Jethro and the judges. We heard about Esther and her uncle Mordecai. We heard about Jesus' 12 closest friends who he called apostles or sent ones. And then last week about Paul and Barnabas, John, Mark and Silas. Now, I know not everybody's heard all those stories, but I think most people have heard at least some of them. So what I would really like if you would do it, and if you don't feel comfortable with this, that's fine. You can just sit and think quietly for, for three or four minutes. That's not a problem. But if you feel you would be willing to do this, just to turn to those sitting closest to you and thinking about those stories and the ideas we've shared that have arisen from them, which have been quite diverse. Is there something that has really struck you? Now, it could have struck you because you think it's utterly wrong, and that's fine, and, and hopefully it's safe to share that. Or it could have struck you um, as something that you, you want to think more about. So I'm just going to keep an eye on the clock, but about three minutes, just in twos or threes with those around you, just to, to share how this summer has been for you, what, what you've heard, what ideas we've shared. If you are... Everybody in your little group hasn't been here for most of the summer, then, well, maybe you have to kind of find somebody who has... Okay, so three or four minutes just to, to turn to those around us and, and think about what, we, what we've heard this summer and what has spoken to us. Bring those conversations to a close then. I know it's really frustrating, you're just getting going. And then I say stop. So what I would like us to do for the next few minutes is just to reflect a little bit on what we've heard read to us from the letter to the Hebrews. So we're just going to spend a few minutes thinking about what we've heard read to us from the letter to the Hebrew church, which it's no secret is one of my favourite books of the whole Bible. Um, I think some degree I'm more of a pastoral epistles girl than anything else when it comes down to it. Um, it's a wonderful book full of imagery that is important to me and I think to us as a church. And yes, I have talked about some parts of it many times over the last few years. I love that story in Hebrews 11 about the, the, the catalogue, the list of faithful men. Uh, the women seem to get unnamed, but I've ranted about that before, so I'll try not to today. These faithful people who fouled up. You know, Moses made mistakes, Joseph made mistakes, Abraham made mistakes. They all made mistakes. Sometimes they asked questions, sometimes they doubted. But they all held on to the dream, the hope, the vision that God had given them of the new or renewed creation. The kingdom of Shalom, the place where everybody could live together in peace and that there would be no more sorrow and no more sin and eventually no more death. 
So I love it because it's a story full of promise and I love it because it's a story about people just like us. <coughs> I've also spoken many times and I will probably speak many more times over the years about this wonderful image of the great cloud of witnesses. The last time I talked about it, I did some research and I did gather this came from the Roman arenas and it will be the people up in the gods, right at the top, at the back, who would be the great clouds. That would, they would talk about them being up in the clouds and, and watching what was going on down below. This great cloud of witnesses that, that urge on those in the arena, those living the story, being part of what's happening. And last, last Sunday, I actually went out in the afternoon to watch a little bit of the cycle road race. I stood at the corner of University Avenue and Byers Road in the rain with a fair few other people and I watched. And it was fantastic. Like you first got the whistle and the red flag went up and, and then a couple of police outriders claimed, oh yeah, wonderful police outriders. And then the first car came, oh yeah, let's clap them. And then the first of the cyclists and they just whoosh, a blur of lycra as all these people pedaling like crazy went past and everybody clapped and everybody cheered. And then of course there would be a gap and then some more people would come along and we would cheer. And one of the things in the psyche of all British people is a love of the underdog. And I have to say, the cheer for the back marker was the loudest. And nobody moved until the last one had gone by. Once the last one had gone by and the back vehicle had come past, people dispersed quite quickly because after all it's half an hour's wait or thereabouts till they came around again. But there is something about urging them on and it reminds me again of this amazing cloud of witnesses that cheer us on. Whether we're up at the front whizzing along or whether we're at the back struggling just to keep going. They're urging us on. And amongst that cloud of witnesses is Joseph, you know, that arrogant kid that grew up to be quite a good leader. And there's Moses, the one who thought he couldn't speak very well and had a big argument with God and went through a phase of plate spinning and had to learn to share out the jobs. And there was Esther, there'll be Esther there, and her uncle Mordecai, Esther the beauty queen, the one who won the beauty contest and, and, and very bravely went and spoke to the king. And there'll be Peter and Andrew, James and John. I kind of hope that there'll be Judas too. But I recognise I'm in a small part of the church that hopes that. And there'll be Paul and there'll be Barnabas and there'll be Silas and there'll be John Mark. Everybody whose stories we've heard is out there, up there somewhere, cheering us on because we're all on the same side we're all in the same team and one of the things I really love about that um, sweep of scripture through Hebrews 11 to 13 is a bit that we can often miss that lies between chapters 11 and 12 that says but apart from us it's not complete it's not just about these people whose stories are told in the Bible. And it's not just about the people who have maintained the faith 
in Scotland, in England, in Wales, in Iraq, in Iran, in Africa, in wherever it is. It's not just about all those people down through the centuries. It's about us. And also about who comes behind us. Because they have this kind of twin sense that we're still going on our race. Not a bike race or a running race, thankfully. But there are people behind us. And part of what we do, I think, is we look over our shoulders and encourage them. Say, Come on, we're in this together. We keep moving on. And I love that image. I love that image that the people who were in this church when I arrived nine years ago, um, who are no longer with us, are somehow cheering us on from the other side of eternity. And I love the idea that the people we haven't met yet will carry on and be cheered on by us. I think it's a great image, and it's one that I hold on to quite firmly. One of the main themes this summer has been to try to remind ourselves that God loves us, that God values us, and that God wants each one of us to be involved in the work of God's kingdom in this church, in this place, at this time. We've reminded ourselves that God is always for us. God is on our side. And when we mess up and... We do, because we're human. God doesn't rant at us. God picks us up and dusts us off and sets us going again. And those witnesses keep cheering us on. Everybody here matters. Whether you've been here weeks or months or years, whether you come every week or whether you can only come occasionally because of circumstance. God loves you. God equips you, and God has called you to be part of this team, Team Hillhead, at this time. So what is it that God wants us to be doing? Well, the key bits were there in that reading that Brian shared with us. Keep on loving each other. Show hospitality to strangers. Show empathy to anybody who is suffering. Remember that marriage is a precious gift, and so if you are married, be faithful and loving. Don't be greedy. Learn to be content with what you have. I think those are quite doable, aren't they? the values that we already have, the values we already try to live out. Whenever I stand at the door on a Sunday when we've had visitors, they will comment to me about the warmth of the welcome that they have received. This is a really friendly church, and it is a really friendly church. And sometimes I say, well, you know, it's actually it's not the right church for me. I'm more for the hand-waving, or I'm more for the smells and bells, or whatever it might be. <coughs> But I'm glad I've met your church. Because in your church is something important. It's warmth, it's welcome, it's love, it's hospitality. So, you know, we're doing it already. It's not like I'm 
giving a lecture of what needs to be aspired to or whatever, it's there. We're doing okay, and perhaps that's what we need to hear more than anything else. And yes, of course, there are times when it doesn't quite work out. Of course, there are times when I get grumpy or times when I rant. And there are probably times when everybody else feels the same too, just that you're more polite than me and don't necessarily rant at me. But in all of it, in the good times and the difficult times, we have this promise which is recorded for us by the writer of Hebrews. Jesus has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anybody do to me? And that's a beautiful promise and a beautiful reassurance for us as a community of God's people. And then right at the end of the letter is this amazing blessing. Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good, so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That blessing is offered to the Hebrew church, yes, but it's also offered to us here today. What we're going to do now is to remain seated and the choir is going to sing a chant through for us, um, one that's quite familiar, and then after the choir has sung it through, which is a a three-repeat chant, then we're invited to join in singing that a second time together, after which there's going to be an act of response. Thanks, Leo.
So we're going to do something else that is a little bit interactive. And again, it's an invitation, it's not an instruction. I'm going to put up four questions on the screen and I'm going to invite you to take one of these little bits of paper which has the same four questions on it. And again, just to spend two or three minutes, and this is purely personal, reflecting on those questions. And if it's helpful for you, if you're like me and you find it easier to think by writing, you can write. If you one of those clever people who can think just in your head, you don't need to write. Um, and on the back is a yellow sticky note. And again, if you would like to, and there is no obligation, if you would like to write a message of hope or encouragement for our church, um, you can do that on the sticky note and then add it to the thingy on the table. So I'll put up the questions and I will send out the things. If you can just take one and pass them on, that would be fantastic. <coughs> and just a few minutes just to reflect privately. Um, there were some pens on most chairs, I think, but if you need one and you haven't got one, I suspect there are some towards the back somewhere. invite you to take a strand of wool as they come along your rows and we're going to use those to help us express our prayers this morning and if it all gets a bit messy that's absolutely fine because life is messy and sometimes prayer is messy. If anybody hasn't got one, I have got 
got some spare. And as we come to pray, I invite you just to hold your piece of wool in your hands. And we're going to have some silence, which I will guide, during which there will be invitation, if it's helpful for you, to tie knots to symbolise your prayer. So let's pray together. We bring our prayers to you, God of love, for ourselves, for each other, and for the world. And so we are invited to tie one knot in our cord to symbolise a prayer for a place or a person or a situation we have heard or read about in the news this week. Perhaps in your heart you can say, I tie this knot for. And we are invited, if it's helpful, to tie a knot to symbolise a prayer for our own city of Glasgow. We are invited to tie a knot to symbolise a prayer for somebody that we know, who perhaps nobody else here does know, who needs encouragement, hope or reassurance. We're invited to tie a knot to symbolise a prayer we would like to make for our own church community. You may need to open your eyes for this one, but you're invited to tie a knot to symbolise a prayer for the people sitting around you. You might need to remind yourself who that is. And then you're invited to tie a knot as a prayer for yourself. And now we're invited to unite our prayers, to join them together. So we simply knot our cords to those of people along the rows we are sitting on, between the rows. And it doesn't matter what shape it comes out and it doesn't matter if it's a muddle because it will be something beautiful expressing our prayers to God. As we offer these prayers to God, we recall the words of the teacher in Ecclesiastes that a three-stranded rope is not easily broken. And so we offer our prayers to the God who skillfully unties the knots that will bind us in despair and reties the same strands into a stronger, more resilient rope that enables us together to remain strong in adversity, gentle in heart, and hopeful always. Amen.
generous God, we thank you for the gifts of money that we are able to return to your service. We thank you for all that makes our everyday life not just copable but enjoyable. And we thank you for the gifts of each other. Amen. Just before our last hymn, um, way, way back, we had a Sunday school end of year, and in a few weeks' time, we'll be having a Sunday school beginning of year. But a couple of people managed to miss the end of year and their gift books. So, Aidan and Carl, we have your gift books if you would like to come and collect them. I still have two. There are still two people who have not quite yet made it back this summer. So we're going to close by singing what I think is really our signature tune here at Hillhead. Let us build a house where love can dwell and all can safely live. All are welcome. All are welcome. All are welcome in this place.
Deep peace of the running wave to you. Deep peace of the flowing air to you. Deep peace of the quiet earth to you. Deep peace of the shining stars to you. Deep peace of the God of peace to you. Now and always.